Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Catch you later. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I went on a Tinder date a couple years ago. Everything started out relatively normal. We met at a nice downtown restaurant for dinner. She was even prettier in person, and the conversation was flowing. However, it didn't take long for me to realize that she was a very private person. For example, she would not tell me her last name, where she worked, or say anything at all about her family. She made it clear that she was protecting herself, and honestly, I don't blame her. I shrugged it off and the date continued. She took great interest in the fact that I was in seminary, studying to be a pastor. That was nice because usually that's a deal breaker for most women, at least in my experience. Towards the end of our meal, she confessed something to me. I have something to tell you, she said, but please don't think I'm crazy. I braced myself for whatever she was about to say. She explained that she recently moved into a new apartment. She lived alone, which was also a new thing. Though she couldn't put her finger on it, she was convinced that there was a presence of a sinister and paranormal nature in her apartment. She had hardly slept since she moved in because she was plagued with constant nightmares and strange occurrences. I could see the fear and exhaustion in her eyes. She seemed quite sincere. I can tell you're a good guy, she said. She elaborated that I seemed trustworthy and had a calming presence. I know how this sounds, but would you please come back home with me tonight? Honestly, I'm just scared to go back there alone. I am not looking for sex. I was really taken back by this. It's not every day I get asked to spend the night with a beautiful woman whom I had just met. I figured she was either telling the truth or she picked a really odd way to initiate sex. Either way, the night would be interesting. We talked for a bit longer and I agreed to spend the night with her. I followed her home, and when I walked into her apartment, I was immediately struck with bad vibes. There was just something ominous about that place. I didn't want to freak her out, so I kept these feelings to myself. I said a quick prayer and followed her to the bedroom. She wasn't kidding about the sex. I tried my luck, but was met with swift rejection. 
We kissed and cuddled for a bit. Nothing too crazy. And then she fell asleep. I just laid there for a while in the silent darkness, lost in thought. Sometime later, I 100% heard someone walking down the hallway outside of the room. The door was closed, however, so I couldn't see anything. I was definitely frightened, but my curiosity got the better of me, so I went to investigate. Slowly I opened the door. I looked to my left and then to my right. Nothing. I walked downstairs to check out the rest of the apartment. Nothing. I went back upstairs to check the bathroom and the guest bedroom. Nothing. When I walked out of the guest room, which was right across from my date's bedroom, I looked to my left and to my right again. At the end of the hallway, I saw a black figure standing there perfectly still. It was almost like a shadow, but I could discern that it was, in fact, a three-dimensional figure. This figure was very large in stature. There's no way it could have been my date. She was maybe five foot one at best. I ran back into my date's room. To my horror, she wasn't in bed where I left her. I called out her name, but there was no response. I had just walked through the entire apartment, so it literally made no sense to me that she wasn't there. The bed was low to the ground, so she couldn't be under it. The closet was opened also, and it was packed with boxes, so I knew that she wasn't there either. The window was shut tight, plus it was the second story. She had vanished. I grabbed my wallet, my keys, and my cell phone, and ran out of the apartment in nothing but my underwear. The shadowy figure was gone. I jumped in my car and sped away. I never heard from her again. Her Tinder profile was deleted the next day, and she never responded to any of my texts. To this day, I have no idea what the hell happened that night. I also never went back to her apartment. This was hands down the most terrifying, inexplicable thing that ever happened to me. I was sitting on my bed, trying to ignore the texts my abusive ex was sending me. I was dating my now husband, and my ex didn't take kindly to it. He was sending me text after text switching between being apologetic and threatening me. I was sitting on the bed. The headboard was against the window, and I was leaning on it. Eventually, I grabbed my phone and text back, telling him to stay the hell away from me, when I hear his message tone go off right behind me. I turn around, open the curtains, and he was sitting right there in the bushes. This was a few years ago. I lived in an apartment, and in my room, if you looked out the window, you could see another building that had a lot of offices, and every night, I would be able to see a black figure just standing there watching me. It was scary as hell. 
I tried flashing a light at it a few times to see a person or something, but it was just a black figure, and sometimes it would move. As soon as the sun would start setting, I would close the blinds, and I did that for a few months, and eventually, the black figure didn't show up anymore. To this day, I still have no idea what or who it was, and it still creeps me out. I woke up one morning and started making eggs. I'm half asleep still, frying eggs, and I look to the right to the living room, and this old lady is standing there right outside the window staring at me, and she looked brain dead. Eventually she moved and disappeared out of sight. I went outside to find her, but she was gone, and I have never seen her since. We have an old farm that we let Animal Rescue keep rescued, abused horses on. One of the horses, a gigantic Clydesdale named Harvey, had a badly scarred, half-skeletal looking face. He was a walking nightmare, despite being about as dangerous as a wet saltine. One spring I was sleeping with the window open because I wasn't quite warm enough for the AC. I was woken up by a nuzzling on my leg and assumed it was one of my cats. Then I realized, wait, my cats shouldn't be in here. My windows are open, and I know I left my bedroom door closed. So I opened my eyes, and there is Harvey the horse, eating my blanket. I sat up and screamed, causing him to startle and rip my window out of my wall. My pulse was elevated, to say the least. My company would put us up in the Shiloh Inn downtown when we were in Salt Lake City. A co-worker of mine was awakened in the middle of the night by sounds of a bunch of kids in the hallway. It went on for longer than he could tolerate, so we opened the room door to tell them to shush, only to find the hallway empty. He could still hear the children, so figuring that they were in an adjoining room, he called down to the front desk to complain. The man at the front desk claimed to be certain there were no kids staying on that floor, and that he was certain the noise would subside in a little bit. He offered to send up some earplugs if it did continue. My co-worker was a bit annoyed. How can you say there are no kids here when I'm hearing kids? The next day when he was checking out, a different clerk made the mistake of asking the routine question. Was everything satisfactory with your stay? My coworker gave her an earful about the noisy children and how the other clerk had dismissed his complaints. The clerk looked a little uncomfortable and said in a half whisper, We are not supposed to talk about our history with guests. Please do a Google search for Rachel David and you'll understand what happened to you. We get similar complaints every few weeks and we try to never put kids on that floor. In the van on the way to the airport, he read on his phone the story of how a mother, Rachel David, 
had tossed her seven children off of the 11th floor balcony of the hotel and then called the International Dunes to their deaths before jumping herself. My wife and I stayed in a pretty well-known hotel in London. The rooms were pretty nice, but had a door which allowed someone to travel between our room and the one next to us. To do so, you needed to open the door in my room, and then someone had to open theirs in the neighboring room. There was only one handle on each door. One night I woke up in the middle of the night and thought I saw something moving around. It being the dark in the middle of the night, I just thought it was my wife and dismissed it. The next morning, I found our side of the door cracked open. My mom was traveling for work and sat next to a man, a fellow business traveler, on the plane. They had a casual conversation and exchanged business cards. Later that evening, she's in her hotel watching TV and gets a phone call from the front desk that her husband is there and that they want to know if they can give him a key to the room. She told them that she wasn't married. They called her down to the front after the man had left and she identified him on the security camera. It was the guy that she had met on the airplane. I was traveling out of the country right after finishing up a huge five-day work event, where I had about ten hours of sleep total during the five days. I got to the motel, which is kind of run down, and the carpet and blankets are damp, but I'm so exhausted that I don't really care, and I don't really think about it. I fall asleep pretty much immediately at like 8 p.m. At maybe 11 p.m. or so, I get a call from the front desk saying that there's been a complaint about noise. I tell them that that's impossible, that I've been sleeping. They ask me if maybe it's someone else in the room, and I tell them no, I'm here alone, so there's definitely no one else making the noise, not from my room at least. They ask me again if I'm sure. I'm very frustrated at this point and I say yes and then go back to sleep immediately once we hang up the phone. When I woke up in the morning and thought about it some more, I realized how weird the entire interaction was. There was absolutely no noise that I could hear anywhere nearby, and I don't know why the motel staff would need to clarify so many times that I was alone. Apparently, they never called, so I assume it must have been someone calling the different rooms to see who was in the rooms and how many people. I've never been so glad that the rooms come with that extra chain lock. When I was like 14 or 15, I went with my family to Las Vegas and we stayed off the main strip in a two bedroom suite. It was a smaller casino hotel my parents left to go out and enjoy the night while I stayed with my younger siblings. They slept in the bedrooms and I was in the living room watching TV. I think I dozed off at around midnight 
and when I woke up, I was in the stairwell, outside of the hotel room. I wasn't wearing shoes. I had no cell phone, no room key. I went to the front office and told them that I was locked out of my room, and thankfully they believed me and let me back in. I still don't know why I was out there or what the hell happened. To this day, I have never sleepwalked. Nobody has ever told me that I sleepwalk. I don't know what happened. Maybe that night I did. Maybe something happened during those hours that I cannot remember. But it was creepy enough for me to share. Probably the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to me. I arrived late at a hotel for a business trip. The flight had a malfunction, so we had to land. They fixed it on the tarmac, and we never deplaned. Room already paid for, confirmation number in hand, etc. I got there about five hours after I was supposed to be there. Of course, they gave away my room. I already wasn't happy from all the delays, and I wasn't going anywhere. The event I was there for was in their hotel. I wanted my room. I was polite, but resolutely firm. They did some scrambling and asked if I would consider a damaged room that was under construction. As long as the sheets are clean so I can go to bed, I don't care, was my response. Mistake. The room they gave me was literally a crime scene. The case had been closed, so there was no legal issue to contend with, but someone had been killed, or at least nearly killed, in that room. They had primed over the blood stains on the walls and the ceiling, but had only taped down semi-clear plastic over the pooled blood on the carpets. Multiple small holes in the walls had obviously been patched and sanded, but they were multiple small holes in the walls. They gave me a completely new bed and TV from on-site inventory, so I was comfortable, but man, it was creepy as hell. The creepiest part was the priming job. It was so obviously blood splatter all over the walls, you could still see the pink underneath the white. You could see where the person had been hit and where they fell. You could also see how they tried to get up and where they had finally collapsed. I checked into a hotel on vacation. Everything was going alright. I woke up one night to erratic movement of the door handle, as if someone was trying to get in or break the door down. It always happened in the dead of the night when I was in a deep sleep. As soon as I woke up, it would stop. I spoke to a hotel manager about it, and he told me it was a patient who was recently released from a mental institution, who does this as he still thinks he's locked up in the institute. A combination of not taking his medication and sleepwalking makes him randomly try to open and kick down the doors within the hotel. The family was very wealthy and connected, and the manager didn't want to kick up a fuss for chucking out someone who can shut his business down very quickly and easily. 
I left after only one week because it seemed to get worse every night. This story still makes me shudder. We were traveling with another couple who had budget restrictions and we needed to find a last minute place to stay in Las Vegas. We had been looking forward to a nice hotel with a pool to kick it by and just chill out. They couldn't afford it, so they found a super cheap Airbnb with a pool. We were trying to be good, flexible travelers, so we agreed to compromise. As we were driving to the place, I tried to ignore the increasing amount of poverty and strung out people on drugs on the street looking lost. I pulled into the apartment lot, and I said nothing. My husband and I looked at each other. It looked like a seedy apartment place from District 13. As we walked into the building, I was overcome by the smell. It was sweet, and at the same time, horrible beyond belief, with a layer of perfume on top. My body would not let me breathe in the smell, and I had to cover my mouth with my shirt sleeve in order to breathe. I was on the tail end of the flu, so I had been nauseous for days, and figured I was just being sensitive. We hurried to see the pool, and it had a big sign, under renovation. Covering my mouth as we went back into the building, we checked out our apartment. It was clean, and the smell didn't permeate into it, so we agreed to stay. That next morning, I woke up having had the worst dreams of my life. People getting stabbed and shot. Constant horror all night in my head. My husband seemed interested in what I had dreamt about, and I didn't want to get into it, so I just said it was people being hurt. When we got home in a couple of days, I brought up the smell in the hallway. It wasn't until then that my husband told me that it was the odor of a decaying human body. Oh, thank you very much for telling me. My husband is a paramedic, so he knew for sure what the smell was. He smells the worst smells known to humanity on a weekly basis. At university, I used to work through the night to get projects finished, but would break at around 2 a.m. to go for a walk. The city where I studied had excellent footpaths that meant you could walk from anywhere to anywhere without crossing a single road. The path system had bridges and underpasses. One night, when my final project wasn't compiling for whatever reason, I went walking and found what I thought was a glove at the entrance to an underpass. Further inside was what looked like some refuse sacks. But something felt really wrong. So being an indestructible, naive 20-year-old, I investigated to find that the glove was actually a severed hand. And the refuse sacks were a dismembered body. One quick phone call to the police later and I missed my deadline being questioned by the police. When I was 15, my much older cousin was going through a nasty divorce. 
She and her two little boys fled from her abusive husband and moved very far away to be closer to us, the rest of her family. Her husband ended up following her to our town and rented a room from a guy that he knew from years back. He was threatening her and the kids almost daily. I drove with my cousin to pick up her son from school one afternoon. She walked in and was told by the teacher that their father had collected them earlier that day. She completely freaked out and drove straight to the police station where she begged them to accompany her to the apartment to get her kids back. We drove there with the two police officers in tow. When we arrived, an older lady was there banging on the door, saying that she hadn't heard from her son, the guy that owned the apartment in days, and that she was worried. His car wasn't there, but she knew something wasn't right. Police eventually break in the door after speaking to the neighbors and hearing stories of a fight a few nights ago, and probably the awful smell coming from the inside. We found the guy he was living with dead, rolled up in a carpet behind the couch. I still remember the top of the head just barely sticking out of the rug when we all noticed it. They found her husband that afternoon, in the victim's car, with the two boys thankfully unharmed. He tried to use the guy's credit card to rent a car, but he probably knew that they would be looking for that one too. I had plans to take my grandma out to lunch one day. I showed up at her house at noon as I normally did, but she didn't answer the door. I walked around and entered her house through the back door. I found her body in the living room. She had been murdered. There was blood covering the walls and the ceiling. It still haunts me to think about it. A friend of mine had recently joined the police. She went through her training and it's her first week on the job. She gets called out to this house as the neighbors reported not seeing the man for a couple of weeks. They get the spare key off a certain neighbor who was the last to see him. They enter his house and it is hot as hell in there. All the windows are shut and all of the heaters are on full blast. The police go into the front room and find the guy face down on the couch. His skin had melted off and he was molded to the couch. He was literally mush. It turns out the guy who had let the police in had murdered him, then arranged all the heaters to be on him so that all of the forensic evidence on the skin was destroyed. It was only after a few of his backstory lies didn't add up that they realized that it was this guy that had orchestrated the whole thing. A few years ago, when I was away in college, I went out to a party one night and got back to my dorm really late. At the time, I had my own bedroom. When I was in the bedroom, I had this weird feeling that someone was in there with me. I checked my closet, under my bed, etc., to make sure no one was playing a trick on me, but I could not shake the feeling off of me. It got so unbearable that I had to keep the light on, 
At one point, I heard laughing and just got so creeped out between hearing the laughing and feeling as if someone was in there with me. Eventually, I decided to just sleep in the living room, which had a very different vibe. At about 4 a.m., I made a Facebook post something along the lines of, My bedroom is definitely haunted. And then finally went to sleep. Oddly enough, I had a dream about my great-great-aunt, and she was the youngest that I had ever seen her. I awoke the next day, and a roommate comes up to me and says, I saw your Facebook status. Do you know what happened last night? Completely confused, I asked her to explain. Apparently, while I was out that night, in my room, they heard laughing and the door shaking, and when two of my roommates entered, there was no one there, and they started freaking out. This all happened a few hours before I came back. Of course, my family saw the Facebook post and asked me a bunch of questions when I came home. My grandmother made the weirdest point. The night I posted the status was my great-great-aunt's birthday, the one I had dreamt about. One afternoon in college, I came back from classes and decided to sit on the couch and have a snack. After that, I just passed out. I had a nightmare of some bloody-faced demon thing screaming in my ear at the top of its lungs. I woke up and went about the rest of my day. My roommate comes back later that night and goes into his room as I'm sitting in the main living room area. At some point, he lets out this random startled scream, which leads to me running down the hall to see what's going on. He looks at me and says, I swear to God, someone with a bloody face just peeked their head into the window. I never told him about the nightmare I had earlier in the day. I didn't sleep for two days. Nothing ever happened again. I was walking home one evening and was up on the road from my house about five minutes walk away. As I'm walking, I see this guy go up an alley, apparently not seeing something he was hoping to see, and turned around. We briefly made eye contact, but there was nothing to it, and he was walking really slowly. By the time I had walked another thirty seconds down the road, I looked back as I was turning the corner and he had only just emerged back from that alley. I'm now heading down the road leading to my street, and there's a guy getting into his truck with his wife. The truck is facing up the street in my direction. He flashes his headlights, which I didn't quite understand, and then I hear a scuff behind me. The guy from the alley is right behind me, like within arm's reach. Even though I heard nothing until he was right there, I'm pretty sure I visibly jumped upon seeing him so close, and he's walking like an absolute demon. I mumble a greeting out of pure reflex and start to cross to the other side of the road, removing my backpack in the process. He didn't respond to my greeting or even look at me, 
He's just looking dead ahead like I'm not even there. He just starts running as soon as I moved. He bolts down the road and turns right into another alley, and I hear some banging on a wooden fence. As I walk past the alley about 30 seconds later, I take a glance, and it's empty. He must have jumped over a fence or something. I still don't know how that guy moved so fast to catch up to me in such a short space of time, nor how I didn't hear him. I've got some pretty good hearing, and he must have been sprinting to catch up to me. I work at several attractions for the Big Mouse that has tourist destinations in Orlando and Anaheim. When I first started working for the Mouse, I learned that most of the buildings were haunted in one form or another. Generally, I take this stuff with a grain of salt. Show me the science or prove it to me. Then I'll believe. I've had two separate encounters with two ghosts in two different attractions. And let me tell you, I believe a hell of a lot more now. Experience 1 In a slow-moving journey through time, you come across a scene where a famous painter is laying on his back, painting the ceiling of a building. There is a ladder going up to that scene, and the rumor was that a maintenance guy had a heart attack during his shift one night and dropped at the base of the ladder. No one found him until the next morning, and he was already dead. It became a tradition upon closing the ride for the night to tell him good night, or else havoc would come down upon the ride the next day. Silly, I know, but we all just played along. I never really believed it. Everything seemed very circumstantial. On one particularly slow day, I was riding through the attraction when all of a sudden it stopped in that scene I mentioned earlier. Now, if you've ridden this ride, you'll know that it's basically a train car with two rows. Well, as far as I could see ahead of me, there was no one. As far as I could see behind me, there was no one. The ride system is pretty sophisticated. When someone hops out, there are pressure-sensitive mats on one side that trigger the ride to stop and show on our ride display screen exactly where it is. On the other side of the ride vehicle, there are photoelectric beams that also give the exact location of this intrusion, as we call them. Now we stop this ride pretty often. Someone takes too long to get into the ride vehicle, stop it, and then start it back up again. Well, in this case, they started speaking over the intercom into the entire ride. That usually means someone is out of a vehicle somewhere on the ride. A few minutes into sitting there, I start to hear keys jingling, two sets headed in my direction. I'm completely alone, and here come my fellow mouse employees, looking rather concerned. Did you jump out? Of course I hadn't, to which I told them. They look at each other and back at me, both looking from the opposite directions they've came from. Did you see anyone? I hadn't. It was just me. 
The mat and the I-beam were both triggered in this scene. We all just stare at each other and sort of whisper the ghost's name at each other. They leave, and within five minutes we are moving again. But I never rode alone again. Experience number two. This one was about the ride mission Space. Another attraction I work at is a motion simulator that spins and creates G-forces to simulate space flight. When the attraction first opened, there was only one option. The story goes that a mother brought her child in to experience the attraction, and when the attraction had finished, the child was unresponsive. Emergency services were called, and it was later discovered during the child's autopsy that he had an undiagnosed heart condition. This much is true. There's a fellow mouse employee that was working on that day and remembers the story. Multiple other mouse employees have looked up the story, myself included. Since then, it's been said that the ghost of that little boy likes to hang around in the ride room where he died. There are multiple reports of hearing him laughing during opening procedures, of him calling out for his mom, of the sensors going off before the ride starts, and upon checking the cameras, there being stuff in front of it that definitely wasn't there before, since we check all of the cameras before the ride starts. Again, I'm usually very skeptical about this sort of thing. One morning, I'm scheduled for an opening shift which doesn't normally happen due to my low seniority. I show up and go to open ride room number three, which is the room where this little boy met his tragic end. During opening checks, there is one person in each of the four rooms, all completing the same tasks. Ride rooms one and two are connected by a small closet, and ride rooms three and four are similarly connected by a small closet. We usually don't chat in the mornings with the person opening the other ride room, since we are all trying to get through our checklist as quickly as possible. I get to the part where I'm about to run the ride and check for errors at the end of my checklist, and go in to start closing up my vehicles. It gets pretty loud in there, to the point where if we need to get someone's attention, we have to raise our voices. I start to check my ride vehicles and close the first two of the ten. That's when I start hearing laughing of a little boy. At this point, I'm pretty sure it's one of the other openers playing a joke on me, so I move on. I go to check the next two. They're good, so I close them. I hear the laughter again, closer and louder this time. I turn around to check over my shoulder, and there's a faint flicker of movement from the corner of my eye so I go to check and see what it is. There's nothing there. At this point, I'm spooked. I hurry and check the rest of my ride vehicles, close them up, and do a final check of my ride room before closing everything up and setting the ride to start. I hear the giggling again, turn around like last time, and there's a faint shimmer disappearing down the hallway. Of course I chase it to see what was there, it turns out to be nothing again, so I go to the other ride room to see who is opening over there. A girl that I've worked with before quite a bit. She normally opens and tells me that she'd had similar experiences 
where it feels like someone is watching you, or just out of the corner of your eye, you can see something, but there's nothing there, and that the laughing sometimes gets to be downright creepy. Multiple people have encountered this little boy ghost at various times during the day, mostly under the conclusion that he's lonely. A few years ago, I was living in a fairly nice apartment complex, having a cigarette on my balcony around 3 a.m. on a Tuesday night. I'm usually on my phone, but I get this weird chill and looked up to see a middle-aged man walking down the sidewalk across the complex. It struck me that he did not belong here, and I realized that he wasn't one of the residents. As I was thinking this, he suddenly stopped and looked right at me, making eerie, way too long eye contact, and then rushed off between buildings in the opposite direction of my apartment. I told my husband about it and joked that if we get a knock on our door in the next 15 minutes, we can assume it's that creeper. Sure as hell, 10 minutes later, there's this quiet, faint tap, tap, tap on our door. My eyes probably popped out of my head, and my husband jumped up to grab his gun from the other room. I slowly walked up to the door to look through the peephole, holding my breath. And there was the man I had seen, looking right at me through the peephole. I know he wasn't able to actually see me, but the image of him looking right into my eye still freaks me out to this day. My husband walked up to the door, stared through the peephole, and shouted, What do you want? in this threatening voice. Apparently the man had his hand on the doorknob and jerked back in surprise to hear a man's voice. The guy asked for Jeremy or some made-up name, and my husband told him to leave. After bullshitting a little longer, the guy finally walked downstairs, only to peer up into the living room window from the lawn. I closed the blinds, and he moved over to stare at me through the balcony door. He didn't move on until after I shut that one, too. We called security and gave a clear description and everything. A few days later, we got a report from our complex that an apartment had been robbed around the same time that night. What keeps me up at night is this question. If you're going to rob an apartment, why would you go to one that you definitely know a woman is awake and at home? seemingly alone. Maybe that's not what he had in mind at all. <laughs>